and lift you up, Lord. You are worthy to be praised and adored. We love you, Jesus. We love you because you first loved us. You put that love in us. Without that, we could not love you, ourselves, or anyone. We thank you for that heavenly deposit. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know you and to come alive to who we really are, who we are in you. And we thank you for it and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So uh, I thought we would talk some today about the fact that we are an empowered people. We are an empowered people. No longer weak. We are empowered. And we need to understand that this is the will of God. God has longed to empower his people. God hates weakness. Uh, That's why he corrected it. You got me? Anything that God corrects, he hates. He despises. He has no uh, thrill in our whining, uh, our complaining, and our weakness. If you never get anything from the book of Job, you need to get that lesson for sure. That he does not suffer fools, the Bible says. And to be a person who is totally capable and to sit around and whine is very, very foolish as far as God's concerned. And so he will not entertain our complaints, our whines, or anything like that. He hears the humble. He hears the righteous. His ears are always inclined uh, to their cry. And that is a cry of of desiring or a cry of faith knowing your covenant with God you know a cry to to uh, get the attention of God a cry to uh, get to know God a cry to get relief uh, by God from some suffering of some kind it's amazing there are people that will tell you Oh, I cried out to the Lord forever to get this fixed. And he never did anything about it. Well, he must have at some point, you know, because he finally heard. And so there is a way that to approach God that he responds to, and he only responds to that. I think a lot of times these things are in our human spirit to make that cry of the spirit, not just of the flesh, not just a frustration or anger or anything like that, but it is a cry of your spirit that reaches God and only that cry uh, will reach him but when that cry is heard then God moves to empower us he does not uh, move to uh, put us in therapy for years because of our poor upbringing or anything like that I think the world's really tired of that line of excuses uh, they sit and they hear they see these people do these horrible crimes and then the uh, attorney will come in court and say well they've been in foster care all their life and then they can if if they're smart they'll produce the defense need to, needs or the prosecution needs to pull somebody who's been in foster care and did good you understand what I'm saying that's to me that's the best defense is to refute this foolishness but know that people have choices to make you make choices based on what's in your heart to do and for no other reason and so this is why God is long to empower his people Uh, he's empowering us because weakness has caused us to be enemies with God it's caused us to be at war with God. Is that we're at war with God? Weakness uh, caused us to be enemies with God and His purpose for us. So there is a reason 
that God empowers us. There is a reason he commands us to overcome weakness. There is a reason that he will not accept weakness as our final answer for why we don't do certain things. Um, many times people will uh, stay in sin even after they've after they've confessed Christ instead of standing up to the devil and doing everything that you need to do uh, to stay empowered and to stay strong you know this is a, a warfare and we need to understand that we are the prize if we'll let the devil have us we'll be the prize and so we want to overcome and understand that God has totally provided everything that we need to overcome every temptation every weakness every failing every everything that comes against us we are not the same person anymore all things have passed away all things have become new I can't tell you what the right identity will do for a person uh, I think that's extremely important that's right up there on the top of the list you know after being born again but to know who you are in Christ uh, to have that that right focus in God and understand who he is what he's called you to do and what you're capable of if you will trust and obey God and so weak people uh, simply obey the lust of the flesh and of the carnal mind. And sometimes they, they find the mercy of God there uh, that he doesn't put them under the law, you know, and doesn't put them under uh, some kind of probation or something like that. Uh, you can still come and eat at the Father's table. He'll still let you keep your job. He'll still let you keep your family. A lot of these things because of his great mercy. God often responds to our potential and not to our actions either toward or against that potential. See, he's a, he has a covenant with us. He has a promise with us to help our weaknesses. And if we'll, if we'll just confront those things and realize, God, you're here to help my weakness. You're not going to condemn me if I talk to you about my weakness. You're not going to condemn me if I expose that to you and, and ask you to help me with it. You're going to help my weaknesses. And so and that's the job of the Holy Spirit. So we'll talk a lot about how how he um, empowers us to be the great people and do the great things in God that God has called us to do. So uh, when we, the carnal mind uh, and the thoughts of the carnal man are always wicked. You need to understand that there's no uh, there's no pacifying carnality. There's no uh, giving it a pass. It's just wrong. You know, God has called us to be people who are led by our spirit and not the dictates and lusts of the flesh. Now, these are things that have to be overcome. It's not like you're never going to do give in to the flesh or anything like that. But set your mind and your heart toward overcoming because you're an empowered person. And so the first hurdle you got to jump over is yourself. The S-E-L-F life. <laughs> the self-life and being fearful for yourself, being defensive about yourself, being self-conscious, self-aware, uh, you know, self, self-righteous, 
self-deprecating. All of those things we have to be careful of because they begin to exalt the carnal mind and exalt the carnal man. And so in our, in our desire to be more like God and to capture this identity so that we can walk in it, carnality has to be seen as the enemy of God. It has to be seen as the enemy of your progress. It has to be seen as the enemy of love and of the enemy of the power that God so graciously has put uh, endowed us with uh, so that we can walk this life as successful in God. This is what he wants. He's ordained these things for our success. The carnal man we need to, to understand is religious. He can never get enough of works. And many times, even in our spirituality, we'll find ourselves slipping over into a, a carnal frame. All it takes is for uh, something uh, for us to get mindful of time. That, the way it starts, usually you get a little mindful of how long it's been, or why isn't this, or why doesn't this happen yet, or what, what do I need to do, and all this kind of stuff. All you have to do is get yourself mindful of natural things, appearances time passing of time your age your whatever whatever you know it amazes me sometimes I can sit in idleness and I'm, I'm not accustomed to that because I used to always have a, a, a remedy for any kind of free so-called so-called free unused time I always had a way to fill that up with something and so I, I sometimes will, will get drift my mind will drift over into idleness and I'll start thinking considering certain things and it's amazing how you can consider and your mind will drift over into considering weakness whenever you have this idleness and you don't really um, keep yourself uh, in fellowship with God through his word you know meditating on the word and looking for new experiences in God with his word in your mind that kind of thing filling your mind up with the richness of God and that kind of thing your mind can fall right over into weakness idleness and weak thoughts very easily all you need to do is have something happen in your life that's not on your schedule for what you plan to have done. You know what I'm saying? It's just anything that comes up that's out of whack with what you thought your how your day was going to go today or something like that. And all of a sudden you're thrown into this quandary of, well, what's going out? How did this happen? And when am I going to get out of this? And yada, 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 yada. And this wouldn't have happened if. And I... See, those are that's carnal thinking and that's weakness taking over your thought life. And sometimes you can walk you can walk in a place in God for months and years where your mind automatically flips over into the word of God where everything that comes towards you you meet it with the word of God and then and then all of a sudden something else happens out of whack. And I believe these are, are testings, temptations of the enemy, but also testings that God allows to get us to go a little bit deeper and yank off another layer of weakness. Because there, our weaknesses are, are a lot still there. They're covered 
in God's mercy and they're covered in the blood of Jesus in this veil that separates the flesh from the spirit so that we can walk totally in the spirit as though there's no flesh involved whatsoever. You can walk totally free of that and be free of that. But if a challenge comes up, something that comes up to challenge not our security, not our well-being, but it's a challenge for your faith. You have ample faith to meet that challenge. If you don't, God will help your unbelief. But it is not a challenge that cannot be overcome with the tools that you have. With the word of God, with the relationship that you have in God, these things can be overcome. But what we sometimes tend to do is uh, consider these things like, you know, think about them a little too long and they tend to take root somewhat in us and in our thinking. And then that makes them a little hard to get out. For instance, uh, like I I was mentioning, I said one of my challenges is since I got past 60 and 65, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, maybe I ought to get a little more health insurance or what's my favorite commercial Rachel always makes fun of this commercial because I decided I'd make fun of this but it's uh the lady that's fallen and can't get up and then there's the uh they sell these alerts you know so that you can be alerted and they they got alerts for everything and so there's this one alert that she was thinking about she said Baba she said, that's kind of scary when you think about it. But this, he says, your house is on fire. Get out. And I'm thinking, I've fallen, but I can't get up. What do I do? So, so she and I make fun of that one. And she said, why would he call her and upset her and tell her to get out of the house? <laughs> I don't know, Rachel. But, you know, even little, I mean, like 10-year-old kids can see through that nonsense. But see, when you when you start thinking that your faith cannot meet the challenge that's what it is you you have these thoughts where you consider these things well maybe this really and maybe that really and maybe 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 and at the end of the day what you need to do if you're crazy enough to sit there and let the devil entertain you all day with that what you need to do before you go to bed and say is say god you know what i've spent all day thinking the devil's thoughts and i'm sorry I still believe that none of these diseases that you put on the Egyptians are for me. You're the God who heals me. And your mercy endures forever. You're a God of great mercy. You're not going to let me uh, fall down and not get up again. You're not going to let my house burn down around me. You're not going to make me go and buy more insurance that I don't really need because you're my insurance. You know, and these things you could say as you are are sitting there, what you spent all day meditating on something that's not going to happen. You don't want to see it happen, but you entertain it anyway. It's just, why do I do these things to myself? But see, these are challenges more to your faith than they are to your well-being. God's not going to let the devil take your health away from you. He's not going to let him take your life away from you. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Jesus has paid for every sickness, every sin, every weakness, every everything. He's paid for everything. 
if it's you know sometimes I think to myself I said well God maybe if I go ahead and lose the blank number of pounds you know it gets light and it gets heavy it gets light and get heavy you know it's, if I go ahead and do that I won't have these problems well you're a liar because you're gonna he's gonna find something else to throw at you then so you might as well overcome this here yes. not that you shouldn't lose weight you know you should you feel better I'd feel better if I were lighter I know that but right now it's a struggle it's a back and forth you know and so I just keep hoisting myself off the chair and struggling to get up I think how did this happen to me <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, you think, you think sometimes, no, wait a minute. I used to spring up when I did this. I remember springing up out of this thing. I got my got to struggle to get up, though. Whatever, whatever. But you keep going. Amen. You keep going in God and you keep confronting these challenges. And so, and sometimes they get real to people, you know, and then they come out of it after they they see they're not going to die I don't know how long it takes you before you convince you're not going to die and you start using your faith again you know but you could have used your faith step one the first knocking on the first time the devil knocked on your door with the nonsense could have used your faith then and so we we have to realize that when God empowers us that faith will be challenged and weakness is there folks if we let it be exposed it's still very much there and we can still feed that seed if we consider weakness as real if we consider it as viable and so we have to at all times recognize these are challenges to our faith that God has put in us and it's not a real challenge to your well-being this is the thing it's it's something to be overcome and it's not going to take you under you've got to see your challenges in God that way they are not going to take you under they're not life threatening the devil's not going to take your house now he will if you go to worrying about it and get crazy there are things that that people know they need to do for their own personal security things in the natural if they refuse to do them they're going to suffer the consequences uh, I know there were many many people who lost property in the housing what they call the housing bubble but there were many people that held on to their property too you see and so there's a way to get victory in all things there's a way to hold on to everything that God gives you it's just are people going to listen and do what they're supposed to do in order to to get there to me it's a it's a lot easier to do um, minor adjustments so that you can 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 sow into your victory every day than to wait it out to see what God's gonna do you know I think that's wrong thinking you know when people people allow things to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and then you're holding your breath to see if God's gonna bail you out of your trouble when there's already been a way made of obedience for you to obey that on a day-to-day basis and not keep yourself in trouble you see what I'm saying it's like some of the people that that uh, lost their homes most banks won't can carry you more than two months in arrear 
And when you're one month behind, you need to find out what you need to do obedience wise to get caught up and get current. And so that you can keep your home. Now, when you go three months and four months, it's pretty much a given. That's that's not going to happen for you. Because if you couldn't pay it at one month behind, three months is not going to be any easier. Yet people will hold their breath looking for a miracle from God. And they really haven't done what they should have done to keep it current and to, to overcome. Whatever you spent your house note on. You had no business spending that. So you have to keep your money on assignment. Like, um, you know, uh, uh, the widow, uh, the prophet that helped the widow, God told her when, when money came in from that oil, he said, go pay your bills and then live off the rest. Most people, when money comes in, they want to go live it up. And not pay their bills, pay their bills. Well, when you get God's priority backwards, you're going to suffer loss from it. Now, I'm not saying all that stuff that they did in the mortgage thing was legal, but they had great help for a lot of the people that that <laughs> didn't pay for many, many years. You understand what I'm saying? So these things are are not... The thinking behind this stuff is not right. There's something in, in somehow in believers... That makes them think that God excuses weakness. Like he allows you to continue to be weak with no remedy. And he kind of like smooths it over, pats you on the head and he understands. He does not understand weakness. Because he didn't put that in us. So there's no understanding. It's, it's not to be understood. It's to be overcome. That's the wrong thing that you're looking for, for God, from God for. He, he doesn't want you to stay weak. He's made provision for you to overcome and be strong. Period. And so, and he doesn't bend the rules. Because of your upbringing or bend the rules because you're trying real hard and you just can't get it together. He doesn't bend the rules. He intends for you uh, to jump that hurdle. He just intends for you to jump it. You know how uh, sometimes uh, uh, people, athletes like uh, Olympians, they keep setting the bar higher and setting it higher and higher and higher. Well, years ago, uh, a high jump was like six feet something. Now it's almost eight feet. See, it keeps getting set higher because you don't know how, how, how strong humanity can get to overcome. Well, when God sets a bar for us, it's not too high. Amen. He gives you the power to be able to take that hurdle. You just have to believe that he's there with you and that he's going to help you do it. So we don't shy away from challenges. We don't shy away from, from a fight, so to speak, within ourselves. We, we can overcome these things and we can be empowered to, to do these things and, and to get our victory and get our success. That's what really God's looking for. And, and with God, it's not just a, a, a bronze or a, a silver or a gold. It's eternity that, that we're after. And it's after the, the knowledge of Christ. You gain so much when you, when you meet these challenges in God and overcome them. Man, there's, uh, there's no limit to what he can do through a person that he's empowered. There's no limit. It just is, it will take you so much farther uh, than anything. So that makes it worth it. You know, I can see walking away from a, uh, a long jump or a high jump or something like that. That's merely human physical strength. 
And everybody knows that doesn't last forever. At some point, it's going to diminish. But we know that our power in God will increase and increase and increase and go on to do great things, great and mighty things. Sometimes you don't know them till you get to heaven. You know, I know we say that sometimes, but it's very true. Uh, sometimes we don't know the effect of the things that we'll do in God until that final reward is given and we see what, what effect that had on the earth. So it's a good thing to keep in mind weakness must be overcome. There's got to be a strength in God that comes. There's an answer. There's a key. If it's something that's holding you back and if it's something that needs to be done, God has an answer. He has a key that will unlock the door to revelation and light that comes in on that darkness and gets you out of that dark place of being ashamed of it or being uh, embarrassed or confounded or, or in a quandary or wanting to give up and so you you want to always keep that in mind so our weaknesses are nothing to be ashamed and embarrassed of God sometimes manufactures and shapes them in such a way that they will bring glory and honor to him when they're overcome he already knows who's going to make it through and who won't and he's not sitting there giving us things to do to see us fail so that he can just you know revel in our failing he is he's not like that he wants to empower us with strength so in acts chapter one i said all that to say this in acts chapter one we see the promise of empowerment a promise of empowerment to do good to do god's will to do righteous things chapter one and verse six and it says here, well, we'll start in verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the father now here again we get a little confusion in what Jesus means by promise of the father what the disciples are interpreting that to be this is a a common occurrence with believers when God says a word we think one thing and God means something else that's why when people who really understand uh, how to prepare uh, teachers especially understand teachers of the word understand how to prepare sermons that are going to be received and understood they go to a definition first so we can all be on the same page of what we're talking about And so Jesus here has to clear up some kind of confusion that they have again. And he says, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So it won't be long. And this is the other great thing about the 120 that received the baptism. They were encouraged in their faith. You see, it wasn't just 120 people finally after everybody that started out toughing it out with no encouragement. 
God encourages our faith. Your faith is not that much of a challenge because the Holy Spirit is always there encouraging your faith. That's what the paraclete or the comforter is all about. He's not patting you on the back because you're weak and you can't do anything. And he's trying to smooth you over and rubbing you down with a bunch of self-pity. But he's encouraging your faith. Get up and do it because you can do this. You got me? And so he says you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from here. So they had a promise again. He's bringing them closer and closer that this is going to come. When they were therefore come together they asked of him saying Lord will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now here we got another carnal understanding of what God is and what he's going to do. We already established that the carnal man is weak. The carnal man is the enemy of God. This is a statement of weakness. So it's not coming from their spirits. It's coming from the flesh. Are you going to do all the work God and let us have all the fun? Remember Jesus, I said I could he'd sit on your right hand, I sit on your left in this new kingdom that you're talking about. Now they've been preaching the kingdom all along. But here they keep thinking the kingdom is something other than what they've already experienced, what he's already taught them, what they, you see how much we need constant gathering together to be taught the word and and have the word refreshed in our hearing and in our hearts and in our minds because how quickly they forget how quickly they forget the loaves and the fishes and how he multiplied things and how Jesus was always preaching the kingdom that that eradicated sickness that brought an end to human suffering that gave hope and encouragement to humanity that not only provided for the natural but provides eternal life that the spirit man can enjoy how quickly they forget those things. So Jesus here has to bring them back into focus again. Bring them back into what's, what's real and what ain't. He said then it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But again he reiterates what he said before. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be witnesses of the kingdom that I'm talking about. This is not a physical kingdom. It's not of this world. I told Pilate that. I told Herod that. I told everybody that asked me if I was a king and where my kingdom was. I told him this my kingdom is not of this world. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's much more powerful than that. So that's what he's saying here in these words. He says you'll receive power to demonstrate this kingdom that's not of this world. That's above and beyond any earthly thing that you might think you got coming to you. That's why it's so easy for God to allow us to wait for things that we're looking for in the natural while he begins to develop 
principles of the kingdom inside of us. He develops the fruit of the kingdom inside of us. He develops a staying power that we're going to need to face an increasingly sinful world. Everybody you talk to in Christendom will say, I never thought I'd see the day. When the church would ordain homosexual priests and all, we would tolerate this. Well, it's here now. What are you going to do about it? You're going to sit here and keep saying you never thought you'd see the day. Or you go about preaching the kingdom and demonstrating in, in power what God is doing. And so he says, you'll receive power. Huh? He said, the father has power. To know times and seasons or authority. That word of, uh, in verse 7 that's translated power really is power and authority. So he says you will never know the things which the father has put under his own authority. He says but you'll receive miracle working power which is what you need down here to survive. So that my kingdom can be demonstrated to people who don't know me. Or to people who are suffering. Or to people who are lacking. In other words this is no time to be sitting back. Thinking you're going to rule and reign in natural situations. This is a time to get spiritually adept. And spiritually equipped. And that's really what an empowered people are. We are empowered with so much more. Than this natural earth and this earth realm. Could ever think to conceive of. We have so much more in us than that. That Jesus is thinking here. Boy here they go back again with this nonsense. About some natural kingdom. And I've been trying to get them to see. That they have a kingdom whose power and authority is way above this stuff down here this thing here I've commanded you to go into all the world and take this this is not see the kingdoms of the earth are limited to geographical you know areas the king of England can't do anything in Ireland the king of uh, the uh, the uh, uh, king of Greece can't do anything uh, in in another country they're limited but we can go everywhere in the world and exercise the power of God to do the bidding of God to make the changes that earthly kingdoms really want to do there's not one king on earth that doesn't want all of his people employed, doesn't want all of his people well, unless they're dictators and crazy, you know. And we don't have many of those left anymore. Praise God. Even the Russians aren't that stupid anymore. And so here we, we see God bringing forth a concept to his people about a power that looks foolish when it's exercised. And this is a deception of the whole thing. The Bible says the foolishness of preaching. By the foolishness of preaching God has ordained that men would be saved. So it doesn't make sense that mere words would be able to do anything. But they must have some power because I'm telling you the devil has never been as wicked and as evil as he is in this hour. So there must be some power in the words that the church is speaking even though there's many of us going AWOL and compromising every day. Many of us who were ministers of the gospel are now motivational speakers. We're promoting ourselves and other people as under that same umbrella as motivational type people. And so we're causing the church to get sucked into a whirlwind 
of of mere words with no power the words the power is not demonstrated in the words that they speak period they've got a thing going on down in Dallas and I thought really that that there had been some rethinking of how that whole thing is put together it's put together now bigger and, and more weak than it was before there's not one healing minister in there there's not one salvation minister in there it's just a whole bunch of people selling a table space for ten thousand dollars for a small table and twenty thousand for you can sell all your books and tapes it's a big merchandise mart but if you look at what they're doing and you look to see the power of God demonstrated I don't see one person in that lineup that has a ministry a sign and wonder ministry not one because signs and wonders don't need to be pumped up you'll find sick people everywhere you'll find uh, uh, lost people everywhere all you have to do is begin to speak and preach what God says in his word and then the the Bible says the the Lord works with you and confirms his word with sign signs follow we're an empowered people and God wants to empower people because it's so easy for the enemy to get in there with great swelling words of man's wisdom and people love that that because it's not easy hard to grasp it's not hard to repeat it's not hard to get a, a t-shirt that says you went somewhere and be the talk of the whole place I mean that stuff is very widely supported but the real power is fought so the people who are trying to demonstrate the real power having a heck of a time getting it together you know uh, demonstrating the power of God the devil's on them 24-7 trying to uh, find something that they're doing that, that they can cause them to, to have a downfall and so they're being picked off one by one by one by one by one and in being uh, seduced over into compromise in great numbers and so the the empowerment that God has put in us folks is fought it, the earth fights it the devil fights it uh, the carnal mind fights it nobody wants to pay the power the price to walk in it we all want to be uh, known and have a name and be famous and and all of these other things rather than just staying with this simple instruction that Jesus did, said bless you you shall receive power the kingdom that I speak of is not of this world so why are you seeking the world's fame why are you seeking the world's goods why are you seeking the values that the world thinks makes you important Amen. it's in the church too as yet we don't have a good way uh, the church doesn't have a good way to know those that labor among us we just don't we depend on what we see on television we depend on word of mouth we depend on uh, hits on Twitter and Facebook and all those things that that make we think make people prominent we have yet to uncover the richness that God has placed in his body and in his people we just don't know how to how to find that anymore and so and, and really we've always found it by depending upon God it's amazing how how revivals 
get spread from one person to the next to the next. Nobody knows how that happens. The minute somebody establishes a mailing list though and tries to keep up with people, that's when all hell breaks loose. When they get trouble uh, among their own ranks, you'll find people stealing mailing lists because they got mad at the guy in charge and they want to mess up things for him, you know. So as soon as the count is done, that's when things start to get perverted. Now, seriously, we should be we should be over this, but we're not. There's a story in the Bible about King David who performed a census. Remember, he started counting how many warriors he had, how many mighty men he had, and what happened? A plague broke out and killed most of the people. And then he had to go and repent and and pick which one he wanted, you know, as you tell you understand, because punishment was coming for that. And so we see that and we know that, but yet we think it doesn't apply to us today because, well, this is the way things are done. I don't know how you can have any kind of church growth if you don't do it this way. And so when we look at that and we look at God's example and we wonder what are we doing here? Are we missing God in that great a way? Or are we some of us finding God and some of us not finding God and all that kind of stuff? And so God has one job for the church and that is to go out and preach the gospel and allow him to confirm our words his words with signs following that's all we're supposed that's all we've ever been called to do and to make disciples of all men to empower one another as people come into the kingdom they're to be empowered to go out and do the same thing. It's a very simple process that God has developed to keep the church in power. But that powerful church gets overshadowed with another organism that we call the church that really has no power. So these two entities sometimes have to operate apart from one another you know it's kind of hard to mix in with that and still keep the power of God alive and stay true to what God has called you to do so here Jesus clears up the confusion about what kind of kingdom we're talking about the disciples here are talking about an earthly kingdom in verse 6 are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel why would they ask that if they didn't understand that they were in a kingdom they think it's you know it's always temporary you know I'll do this until something else comes along or I'll do this for God until my real ministry develops kind of thing that's wrong thinking anytime you're preaching the gospel that is your ministry I see people do it all the time they they I used to pass out tracks why did you quit well, God called me to do this. He called you to pass out tracks too. You don't stop doing one in favor of another because you think there's no need. Don't you pass people that go to, when your heart ached for people passing you and you thought they were going to hell and you handed them that track? Doesn't that still happen to you anymore? See, what happens is we begin to let our affection get pulled away from God. We lose the love component. And that's the engine that drives the power of God. Faith works by love. This whole thing is a love operation.
And we step away from that. We get seduced away from doing things by love. And we get involved in a big production. The, uh, the existing flavor of what goes on in the church. So the disciples were asking Jesus about restoration. And he was talking to them about restoration. But we're always talking about two different things here folks. You got to understand that. This is a common occurrence. It occurs now in the church. When we talk about restoration. Many times people are talking about restoring things. Jesus is talking about restoring people. And it's a big difference. So we're talking about a carnal kingdom. The disciples were talking about a carnal kingdom of force, power, and domination. Jesus is talking about a spiritual kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you want to give those things away to people, they think you're crazy. I remember back in the 80s when I was saved, you know, in some of the... the uh, uh, you know meetings that we would have you know where people you couldn't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your dead church so you went to a meeting where they did it was a house meeting it was in a hotel or it was someplace outside of the church where the freedom of the Holy Spirit was experienced and I can remember stumbling out of some of those meetings to my hotel room and we would sing the whole time we'd find a song that that really blessed us and you would continue singing it and everybody else would sing it you walked up to the took the elevator to your room and you sang it until you just got too tired to sing and you went to sleep because the power of God was so real and so alive and people were so hungry for it and so and, and now everything's orchestrated you understand what I'm saying? It's it's all canned. It's all uh, put together. And there's no depth to it. And there's no personal experience there. So when we talk about restoration. We're talking about restoring people folks. Restoring them to joy. Restore, even in the church. You know where people. Where we have lively praise and worship. The minute the worship's up. All these dry faces pop back up again. Huh? Or they start going to sleep. It's like. Something ain't right there. You know, it's not right. It doesn't add up, you know. So <clears throat> the disciples wanted restoration. Natural restoration. As soon as Jesus left, came back again, their minds wandered. Uh, that's why he lives in us now. Gave us the Holy Spirit to keep us alert and awake to what he was doing. So they would they get restoration, but not what they thought and not how they thought. So they were expecting God to deliver a physical kingdom to them, but God had in mind of placing the kingdom within them. It's a restoration within, not without. The restoration without almost never comes for some people. Say for instance somebody who's living in a, a country where there's a lot of oppression against Christians. They're never going to get a physical kingdom. Does that mean that God loves them any less than he loves people here? Probably loves them more. Because they're closer. Because they experience his love more. Because they have to. Because they don't have distractions of natural things coming in. Dilute the word. That's why they have no signs following. It's other things coming in. 
you know the deceitfulness of riches lust of all that kind of stuff it creeps in and they don't put up uh, any kind of defense against it there's no standard raised up against it on the inside of them they just bring it all in and embrace it all and incorporate it all so God had in mind of placing the kingdom within us that's why we need to preach when that word is heard and when it's received and when it's acknowledged and when it's allowed to grow that kingdom grows within the heart of all believers Jesus' plan is to empower the believer to restore humanity back to him and if that's not your goal as that's not what you see and if that's not what you believe in you need to get get beyond the distraction and get back to what God originally planned for us and that is to have the people restored back to him whenever you can bring somebody to church whenever you can give somebody an invitation give somebody a tract or something like that you are doing the work of the ministry and restoring somebody into fellowship with God that's all he requires us to do and make sure that grows in them. In other words, make sure they come to church regularly. Make sure they understand. Until they can get their physical man trained to do it on their own, somebody might have to go get them and bring them and keep reminding them, keep inviting them. They did it with me when I first got started. I can remember key people that, that sometimes the Lord would just have me you know befriend say if I was in a Bible study there was always a person or a couple of people that I would befriend and then those people if 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 I was missing and you know if I came back the next week or something oh I missed you you know I was, I was thinking wonder where you were I prayed for you blah, blah 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 that kind of thing sometimes if it goes on for a prolonged period of time they might call you you know God will let people know to do these things why because he wants those people with him eternally he does not want them lost that's part of the ministry of the body of Christ to do these things and we're empowered to do them you do things now as a Christian you never would have thought of doing any other time you're confident you're bold you can go I know it's none of my business and they might tell me off but I want to know how they're doing you understand what I'm saying that kind of thing and so these are things that God puts on our hearts to do because it's a love driven kingdom it's driven by love and a desire to see God uh, be able to do everything that he wants to do in the life of that individual it has nothing to do with numbers. It has nothing to do with filling up empty seats. It has nothing to do with any of that. But it has more to do with bringing people into a knowledge of God. Bringing their lives up to a higher standard where they can live better. They can think better. They have more peace. There are things that they want out of life they thought they could never get before. And now they have an opportunity of living that life because God's there for them. So all of these things is what God had in mind he has nothing in mind of you know selling out stadiums and all this kind of stuff you know praise God that some people can grow to that point of confidence in God if it's God it's wonderful but a lot of this is not God because the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit's not there it's not there it's not there it's a lot of words but very little demonstrated 
We have believers that get fed over and over and over again, but they do nothing to win the lost around them. Hmm? That's always a key of, of whether you know we're doing all we can to replenish the earth, so to speak. That's part of the replenishing the earth thing. And and if if that's not evident, then there's something's missing. The power's not there. It's not there and it's not being transferred onto the people. Think if all the people that came to a, a meeting like Megafest got empowered to go out and win at least three souls. You know, think of the impact. Number one, they wouldn't be having a meeting like that. If there was that kind of power there, it would be so fought. You know, you'd never be able to do anything. But suppose that were true. That each person could receive that power like the early church did. You got me? Till they were thrown to the lions. I mean, talk about persecution. <laughs> And we whine, whine about these things that go through the Supreme Court, not knowing that all we need to do is is have a referendum to change the way we structure the Supreme Court, and you could get many good changes in there. You got me. And so these are things that that as believers we need to see other opportunities, possibilities for getting things so that the gospel's free and it's not hindered, it's not bound and it's not compromised on. And so when we when we talk about God's kingdom, it's a kingdom that grows up within us and it's a powerful kingdom where we can't hold our tongue and we can't hold back our words. It's a love-driven kingdom. Because you love God and you want to please him. And you know that being concerned about people pleases God. Preaching the gospel to people pleases God. We are created in his image. We are created in love. And we're created to be loving just like he is loving. And that's how it all began. It began with love. It breaks the heart of God. To see the enemy triumph over his people. That's why he so willingly gave his life for us. It was to, to, to fix his broken heart at the condition of humanity. He gave his life to fix a broken heart. You got me? Because it does break God's heart. He's not pleased with that. He feels deeply about it when he sees broken humanity. John 15, 12 and 13 tells us, Greater love hath no man than this, that he would give his life for a friend. Hmm? Now, while we were enemies, Christ gave his life for us. People will look at the value of a person before they'll decide if they want to risk anything. Hmm? And so we, we have to realize that while we were yet sinners, he died for the ungodly. He died for us. He will lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. No matter what I tell you to do, you're my friend because you do what I tell you to do. There's some things that God will tell us to do that aren't convenient for us. 
and you know might cause us a little trouble a little uh, discomfort a little uh, switching around we can't have our normal comfortable flow of things you know all that kind of stuff and he says if I tell you to do it I expect you to do it I empower you to do these things because love is the power all you have to do is think about well God I told you I'd do it because I love you and I do love you and I want to please you if this is what I have to do to please you just give me the grace to do it you know empower me to do it help me to get up and do these things that you've commanded me to do so God so loves us that he commands that we love one another he loved you and me so much that he commands us to love one another well, that couldn't be right. Because that's in part people that's hard to love. Oh? But that's part of his love toward us. Let me tell you what happens when you make up your mind to love somebody. That God, when God commands you to love. What you do is you, you pronounce him worthy of receiving God's love. If you withhold it, you pronounce him unworthy. See, people don't realize you have that power. But the Bible says, as he was, so let us be in the world. That's, we, we represent Jesus. And so often we play that cheap. You know, when you're in yourself and you don't want to do anything. and you, you can find fault with everything. We play cheap the fact that we represent him. We're his ambassadors. Now we like the sound of that word, but what that really means is that if you love someone, you treat them the way God wants you to treat them, you lay down your life for that person, then God steps in and he begins to reinforce that in their hearts. It's no longer you doing this, but it's God doing this. And people get the impression from Christians that they're either right with God or they're not right with God. Many times when they know they're not right with God, they go away complaining, grumbling, calling the church full of haters and all this kind of stuff. Put a bad rap on the church. But eventually, because they, they understand that there's something not right between them and God, if they keep their heart open to it, they'll find out how to remedy that. See, there comes a remedy for them at some point. And that remedy is asking forgiveness for their sins. God, what is it that I need to do to feel right with you? And so that brings them up into a higher place in God just through us as God's representatives. Just through us shedding the love of God on them in a good way. Now when we withhold the love of God from people, that understanding of them not being right never comes to them. See that they get a sense that God doesn't approve of them and they're being judged by God because we disapprove and we represent Christ in the earth and so when the church refuses to love the church refuses to invite certain people in the church refuses to bless the church refuses to heal then people get an impression that God is refusing them 
and there's a judgment against them and that's a hard hurdle to overcome and God has to come by with a believer who can show the love you got me or he can correct you as a believer and you can ask their forgiveness and you can go to them in love making amends etc etc and so God commands this love toward them because he loves us so much he loves us so much he trusts us to represent him that's an awesome thing when you think about it he has that great a love for us that he entrusts his identity in the earth through the church that when they look at us they see him they know what he's like they know how he responds they know what he'll do and they'll know that he'll help and that's that's the church folks that's the church because the church sometimes refuses to help people have to go other places for their help and so they'll start to put their trust in you know organizations or other people or something like that but God still wants them he'll still send someone one of his ambassadors to preach the gospel to those people to every creature he wants everybody to hear everybody nobody left out and so he'll he'll get us to preach the gospel so this great love God so loves us that he commands that we love one another why so his body can be whole his body can be strengthened because we're drawn to him through love we're not drawn to him through rejection through pain even though sometimes difficulties can cause us to cry out to God in order for us to feel welcome in God love has to draw us that's the only way he draws us is through his love we are to esteem one another more highly than ourselves following Christ no you you shouldn't want people to want to just everybody got to treat you nice and speak to you that's esteeming yourself more highly than the other person got me you can't want to be the center of attention you know and the minute somebody asks you a question you talk for 15 minutes about what you did yesterday come on folks these are these are subtle things but they reflect what we think you know and how we what we value and how we interact you know sometimes let the other person share something you you don't have to be on display all the time so we have to esteem one another more highly when you esteem the other person more highly that gives them an understanding that God esteems them highly as well people that make you feel valuable you want to be around them you just do you don't want to be people be around people that don't make you feel valuable righteousness is of a high value being around the righteous always increases your value the sense of value in you now sometimes there are people you don't want to be around because you know they're going to tell you the Bible and tell you this and tell you that. See that's a, a sign of weakness in a person's soul. And somehow they, they, they don't have a clear image of who they are and what they need. I always want to be around people who know more about God than I do. I can get something out of that situation. 
you know um, you don't get that a whole lot sometimes because God in, as a minister God wants you to depend on him but it's always good to be in the company of those individuals so God so loves us he commands us to love one another he never commands anything from us that he does not give us first so you're not the first giver of anything that comes from your hand or from your words or from your life God has given to us first so he's really only putting a demand on something that belongs to him and we're the administrators of that God empowers us to love and to use that power to bring the knowledge of him to all humanity so when we know God that automatically volunteers us and compels us to shed that love on all of humanity it does not belong to us so then God can make a demand on that deposit anytime he wants and that's through the power of the Holy Spirit he'll give us the unction to speak he'll give us the the words to speak he'll give us the way to speak and so we never have to <coughs> wonder how to phrase something you know just open your mouth and let him start talking through you anytime I engage in a conversation with somebody I'm always expecting it to get around to talking about the Lord you know I mean without fail I don't care who it is I expect God to be able to tell me what to say to that person to share his love with them to encourage them to leave an increase there to leave some kind of deposit that they know God see that that they know that something did this is a different conversation this conversation is has blessed me it's helped me it's done something for me to increase me sometimes we're looking for uh, you know people to witness to when they're right there all around us all the time it just is how we treat them what they that's a good witness folks is just esteeming that person more highly than yourself you can say almost you know something that's just really sounds like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you sometimes or something that uh, has no no bearing on the conversation but if you believe God that he says if you open your mouth I'll fill it it doesn't have to be real wise it doesn't have to be real intellectual I think that's where we mess up we're trying to to gear our our words in a certain direction when this this whole thing belongs to him you know uh, is sometimes I, I attribute it sometimes to being older you you're less of a threat to people 
you know, sometimes in some ways, you know, in certain conversations. People can expect that you'll come up with something that sounds good or kind or wise. They expect that out of people that have age and so forth and so on. And so sometimes that makes it easy for me or I see it easy for me to say things to encourage people, you know, because of that. Sometimes it's because I'm a minister. It's just easy for me to talk about God because if people know that then they expect you to say something you know along those lines sometimes they get scared and clam up you know and that kind of stuff but that's the risk you take but you look for ways to ease God into the conversation you know in the natural that gives you a a degree of natural confidence but the other part of it too is that you know that once the minute you open your mouth God can take control of that conversation and make it what he wants it to be sometimes he just wants people to feel good about themselves you know I mean he does that to people sometimes he just wants them to know that somebody wants to to speak to him smile at him anything like that I mean those things are very easy for us to do as witnesses and then when he can entrust us with those things he can open up the door for more if he sees that that that's warranted at that time and so God wants us To shed the knowledge of him to all humanity. He does that through the power of witnessing. The Holy Spirit empowers us with the mind of God. Which translates into the words of God. You have the heart of God where you're not concerned about you so much. But you're esteeming the other person more highly than yourself. I can remember when I would get into to, uh, some transactions, business transactions. It was a hostile environment. I'm so thankful I don't have that anymore. You know, you can call somebody who, you know, cheated you on your bill or anything like that. And you can can entreat them. And if that doesn't work, God will give you authority to declare and decree how it's going to go down. You understand what I'm saying? You can do that all in the spirit of God and people will come away knowing there's something different there. You know, they'll they'll know God in a way. I can remember I, I had uh, when I got my phone we got this new phone you know I guess God wanted me to have this phone I could care one way or the other I'm just used to what I had you know and uh, it was a Blackberry and Blackberry went out and so when I called I talked to a young lady there and and um it wasn't time for me to get a free upgrade you know they do that thing to you it's like a bad marriage when they see you got all the bags packed and all of a sudden they want to negotiate something and talk to you and so it's you know and I told one one person that one time they laughed and I said you know this is like a bad marriage I said y'all see me we're getting ready to get a divorce now you want me back don't you and they laugh you know we laugh about those things they say yeah they shouldn't do that should they I said no they need to take care of me Wow, we made, you know. But anyway, it wasn't time. I think it was maybe another six months or so. And I told him, I said, you know, I said, I have a hard time believing Blackberry makes this type of product now. I said, it usually lasts longer. I said, can you do something for me? She said, well, it's not time. I said, I didn't ask you. I know it ain't time. What you going to do for me? I told you that. 
I said, you got to do something for me, girlfriend. So anyway, she looked and she said, okay. She said, ah, we can give you a new phone. She said, we'll give you a new phone. She said, but we don't have a BlackBerry. She said, we have this iPhone. And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. I said, but I'll take it. I said, I'll take whatever y'all got you going to give me for free. So she sent me the phone and everything. And so I was telling Pastor Shirley about it. And I said, I said, I think we need to get you a new phone. I said, I get one, you get one. I said, we all on the same plan. I said, we get new phones, period. So when we called, we talked to this young man. And, oh, you're, n- you're not going to get that. Here we go. You know, it's just, this is something, to, you know, for the devil. So anyway, he was saying what we weren't going to get. And I said, well, we want you to ask your supervisor. I said, because I got one. We're on the same plan. I said, and we'd, I'd like my sister to get another phone. And uh, so we were just talking. Pastor Shirley and I were talking a little bit on our little, um, uh, what you call our little... <laughs> So we didn't know if he was listening or not. So I told Pastor Shirley, I said, now this is a devil. I said, we getting our phone. So this young man had told us, he said, well, I'm a believer too. You know, they want to tell you all this kind of stuff and all this thing. And I told him, I said, listen, God gave me that phone. He's going to give her one. Well, I'm a Christian too. And I'm a believer too. I said, oh, really? I said, why not you helping us? I said, why are you fighting us? I said, go talk to your supervisor. I said, and so uh, he said, he went away and he must have heard us because I told Pastor Joe, I said, it's the devil. I said, we getting our phones. I said, he's not going to keep us from getting our phones. So he came back on the line. But well, I can't believe this. I said, I thought you said you were a believer. I said, we talked to you before. You was all a believer in everything. I said, but you were fighting us. You weren't in agreement with us. I said, but God overrode you. I said to show you something so anyway he's on there and he said I can't believe this well I'm going to make it I'm going to make this out and you're going to get your phone and and then he kept trying to take something away from it I said you don't have that kind of power here I said well you you heard us take authority over you when you were listening in when you supposed to be talking to your supervisor I said just send us our phone end of conversation so you know we kind of laughed about it but he was you could tell he was floored he was flabbergasted because he'd never seen God work on behalf of people like that now why did he need to see that we well, must need to see it because if he calls himself a Christian and he's fighting people who are trying to get favor from God he got some lessons to learn and if he was lying and he's really not a Christian now he knows what true Christianity can do for him so he's got a decision to make about that one way or the other so you don't know how God's going to move in things folks and you but you got to go with the flow you got to know how to go with the flow of God and know that that what God is trying to do is bigger than you your situation what you want I could care less if he gave us a phone if God said call the next person we'd have called the next person and got the phone but we were going to get our phone but we're going to serve God in the process you understand me and so this is how you open your mouth and he fills it with words you know we've been around the block a few times in this kind of stuff and so you know how God flows he's to people who are open he entreats them but if people are resistant and struggle he said he will fight those who fight us contend with those who contend with us so that we can get the things we need in life and not going to hinder us in anything so why don't we stop father we thank you for your word today thank you for understanding that we are an empowered people 
we can receive everything you promised to us. We don't have to let the we don't have to bow to the dictates of the devil. We don't have to bow to his whims, but we can receive everything that you've granted to us from your great great mercy. And we bless you and we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen.